We are joined by our good friend, political columnist, Moshe Hill. Moshe is a senior fellow at Amaria. His blog is a hillwithaview.com. He has a column in the Queen's Jewish Link. He's been featured on Daily Wire, the Washington Examiner, multiple times, other illustrious news outlets. And you can follow Moshe on Twitter, at hillwithview. Right, Moshe? Is that the handle? Yeah. yeah. After Hill they kicked me off my original one, I had to go with Hillwithview. Exactly. Unbelievable. You and Trump. <laughs> Uh, welcome, exactly, exactly. Moshe. Great to have you with us. Great to be here. Great to be here. So Joe Biden held a press conference. Congratulations. The media is giddy, not because Biden actually said anything intelligent, but he actually held a press conference like the bar is so low right now that the man, he just basically needs to have a pulse, which I'm not even convinced about that. And like the media goes nuts. Yeah, it was his first solo press conference. And I believe. 300 days. Wow. Um, around ar- around 10 months. Yeah. And uh, Ten months, considering, yeah. He's only, considering he's only been in office for uh, a little over a year. Uh, so he's he <laughs> does not hold many of these press conferences. And for good reason. I mean, if you watch <laughs> the press conference, you know why the, his handlers don't trot him out there so often. Cringeworthy. He is he is incoherent. He is embarrassing. He apparently gives Ukraine to the Russians and says that our elections aren't secure. So, um, yeah, he says a lot of things, and he makes Trump look like uh, an, uh, an Abraham Lincoln-esque <laughs> eloquent speaker. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible thing. Makes Jimmy Carter look like an amazing president. And, yeah, it literally, hey, as long as it's a minor incursion, Vladimir, just make sure it's a minor incursion and we're good to go. And it, it's, like, amazing. because You know, and some people have pointed this out, that Biden – even in his good days, even in his prime, he did ramble on and on. He did say things that didn't make a lot of sense, not nearly to the extreme, but it's kind of like it's the same Biden, but like it's it's a version on steroids and snapping at reporters. He used to do that. He used to get all defensive. So it's like all of those bad qualities. But now it's, it's just like so magnified. Absolutely. I mean, anyone who thought that Joe Biden was this elder statesman, this this um, you know, calm, cool and collected kind of guy like his former boss, uh, Obama, had the had the reputation of being. He also used to snap at reporters when he would uh, get pushed too much. But Biden, he would snap at regular people. He would challenge like random people to it's push true. up contents. He he called a guy fat. He called somebody a dog faced pony, dog faced <laughs> pony soldier or something like that. Like he, he actually said a, that. He, you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Which to Biden is an insult. Yeah, apparently. But it was really ridiculous. I mean, he he has always been this kind of person. Listen, this is the guy who said that, that Mitt Romney wanted to put black people back in change because of his economic policy. Okay, so that was in 2012. That's a direct this quote. This guy is, yep, he put him, he, he's going to put you all back in chains. And so this guy, this guy is the guy who, who sat on the Senate Judiciary Committee and accused Clarence Thomas of being a rapist. Like this guy is really has always been disgusting. And, you know, now we're just, but but he was, he was hidden under the bench and now he comes out and we get to see it. And it's, he also said, by the way, that black kids are just as smart as poor kids are just as talented as white. (laughs) Exactly. He said, poor kids are just as smart and talented as white kids. And, and, and it's always been about race with him. And yeah, Clarence Thomas, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because the ultimate irony, 
because now he's going to a point and we were going to get to this later, but I'll just jump right in. Breyer's retiring and Biden has already pledged that he's going to replace Breyer with a with a black woman. Now, there is currently one black Supreme Court justice. That man was appointed by a Republican. Biden did everything possible to block Clarence Thomas, because if you're conservative, then like the fact that you're black doesn't count. Exactly. Conservative means nothing. Uh, In fact, if you go to vote for if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you ain't black. That's another uh, I quote from him. And so obviously uh, a a Clarence Thomas-esque voter, someone who agrees with Clarence Thomas on policy, wouldn't vote for uh, Joe Biden. So obviously Clarence Thomas, by by the transfer of property, is not black, according to Joe Biden. Great point. That's what he said. If Trump yeah. said a fraction and of that, these things, I mean, the, the kind of it's unreal. If like you gave somebody who didn't know these quotes and said like, all right, who said all these things? You know, like what you just said, you ain't black and, and a bunch of comments. Was it Trump or was it Biden? The average person would say Biden would never say those things. I mean, because the media buries it. It's unbelievable. It is incredible how how much help he gets. The fact that he has 41 percent approval rating on that's the average. That's not the the I think on the low end, it's like 33 for one poll. And then at best, uh, you have like 45, but he has like a 41% average approval rating. That's with all the media help. That's with all the media help. Exactly. And and Trump had like a 45, 46% approval rating with 90% negative media coverage against him. So like, just think about that for a second. Like, think about how terrible you have to be as a president to get 41% approval rating and the entire media apparatus is going, is protecting you. And they'll never, exactly. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And, and they'll never, to this day, give Trump credit for warp speed. The vaccine, which the media adores, embraces the Democrats, the vaccine is the big hero. And where did the vaccine came from? It came from Trump. That never gets mentioned. I mean, Trump freed thousands, released thousands of black people from prison with, uh, with prison reform. Trump had the lowest black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment rates in history i mean the man was literally did more he there's a story that he tells with the hcbu with the historically black colleges hbcus where he would like sit them down every year he loved to tell this story where like a bunch of like leaders leaders from the black colleges would come every year and basically beg for money come to the white house they have a meeting and beg for money and then trump would give them money and trump was like why do you guys come every year like why don't we just give you the money and they're like oh well that's what that's what we always had to do with Obama is we had to like come back every year and beg for the money like beggars. And Trump is like, are you kidding me? What? All right, here, I'll just give you money for the next like 10 years. It's yours. Forget it. You don't have to get, I love being with you guys. You don't have to come back. These things just get never get reported. No, it never gets re- reported because it doesn't do, uh, it doesn't fit the narrative and it's the narrative right. must be protected at all costs. Like the, the craziest narrative story, you know, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent. So I hope you don't mind. The craziest narrative story is what's going on in Tennessee with Mouse, with the with the graphic novel about the Holocaust. Very important story. The narrative is, and it was mentioned on the View today. uh, Whoopi Goldberg said, "Well, they just want to take it out because they don't like when white people look bad, and and white and Nazis are white, and they make and this makes white people look bad, so they're taking it out." The truth of the matter, the truth of the matter, they're not removing it from circulation completely. Or like it's a Dr. Seuss book. They're they're removing it from the an eighth grade Holocaust like curriculum in one county of Tennessee. And they're basically like, listen, there's some nudity in this. Like we let's let's give this to the high school kids. There's eighth grade is a little too young. 
high school kids, it's fine. And everyone's like, oh, Tennessee wants to hide the Holocaust. And it's like, what? Like the, so the narrative, it just like goes to show the narrative must be protected at all costs. We coastal elites know better. You southern hicks hate, hate, uh, j- hate everything and are, and are backwards and no idea what you're talking about. And that's just how they view things. It's crazy. Exactly right. It is debatable. I will point out with, you know, with that mouse story and, you know, with the issue with the, you know, censoring out certain Holocaust atrocities. I could certainly, you know, hear both sides of that issue, but I certainly understand your point. Your point is well taken. And yeah, what Whoopi Goldberg said was out was disgraceful. Getting back just for one moment to the Supreme Court, um, Biden pledged to, to, to choose a black woman. Wouldn't you have thought that he would learn his lesson? Look how it went last time he pledged that he would pick a black woman, not the most qualified, but uh, based on race and based on gender, he chose Kamala Harris and that didn't go very well to be the to be the vice president. You almost like just have to do nothing. And you're a successful vice president because the vice president doesn't really have any constitutional duties. And yet Kamala is a disaster. Yeah, for some reason, um, Joe Biden gave her all the no win scenario jobs as if he was setting her up to fail. Yes. So he gave her the border. He gave her um, uh, something. And, she, and by the oh, way, yeah. she, he gave her covid. He gave her and. All she really had to do for the border was go down there and like take a photo op. And like, like even that would have probably pleased like enough Democrats. Just visit and the border. She hasn't even done that. Like she hasn't done. And, and as she would say, she hasn't been to Europe either, but she hasn't <laughs> been to it the off. southern border. <laughs> I think she eventually <laughs> went once Trump was going. So I think she felt that she had to actually make an appearance. She, she went I mean, to she went to El Paso and basically stayed in the airplane hangar like okay, 4 miles away. There you go. So she didn't actually go. Yeah. I, unbelievable. And there was an accusation that Fox made. Um they did research into Joe Biden. Joe Biden has been in the Senate, was in the Senate for 4 decades. He was vice president for um for 8 years. He's been president for a year. Apparently, as a public figure, Joe Biden has never been to the southern border. Wow. No surprise. That is that is something that Joe Biden said. So and and almost two million illegal aliens crossed the southern border. That was the one we, that were caught. We're crossing the southern border last year, and people think it's going to go even higher this year. Yeah, the numbers are the highest they've been since they started keeping these records. I mean, the border's insane. Yeah, and Kamala. Yeah, as you said. I mean, just a complete abysmal. I mean, even the even the left. I mean, she's she became somehow the scapegoat. I mean, her. Her approval numbers are lower than Biden's, which is almost not even possible. Exactly. And it, Kamala Harris didn't isn't failing because she is a black woman. She is failing because she's a terrible, terrible uh, politician. She's a terrible uh, leader. She's terrible at everything she does. The problem she was a terrible is she, candidate. Never been, she, she was a terrible candidate. She dropped out early. She dropped out before um, uh, California, before her own state, because she knew she was going to get destroyed. The the problem is that when Joe Biden makes affirmative action picks, don't be surprised when they aren't up to the task. That's exactly That's the right. problem with affirmative action. So I'm not saying that the that the Supreme Court nominee that Biden eventually chooses will not be up to the task. I'm saying that if you are going to prioritize race and gender over over merit, then you are basically putting merit to the side and then you're going to bypass people who are more qualified. Yeah. That's just the way it works. 
Exactly. And you know what? It's one thing for a VP who doesn't really do much. It's another thing for Supreme Court justice, which is terrifying because they do a lot. And it's really scary when like Harvard Medical School is choosing somebody based on their race and choosing the dumber person rather than, you know, the guy who's going to be the next doctor who's, who's actually someone who's qualified to be graduated from Harvard Medical School. Absolutely. I mean, I think the issue is that if you had a list of, of Supreme Court justices and you're like, these are all the equally qualified people. And then you wanted to say, OK, well, that one's a black woman. So let's pick her like and there's is eight white guys and there's three women and one of them's black. Like, OK, fine. So then then you you have a case. But to say we will only pick from a list of black women, oh. then what are you doing? And, and I'll make yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I'll make my final point on this, which is like, I do not care one bit. You literally could put eight, nine Hispanic women as Supreme Court justices, nine blacks, black women, whatever race. I mean, you, you, if you Taiwanese are the best and you do that, I literally as long as they believe in my values and my ideology, I could not care less what race. I don't even notice. But that's all. As they long care as about. they know what the Constitution is, which it seems like some of the picks that the Democrats have making. I just have no idea what the Constitution (laughs) is. They've never read it. They don't care about it. It's a prop to them. They use it as a placemat. Yeah, Justice Breyer pulled it out of his pocket like it's a prop being like, I believe in this. And I'm like, okay, fine. If you believe in it, why didn't you ever look at it and and go by it? I mean, the ruling, the dissent that he was a part of in the OSHA um, uh, case a couple weeks ago was was despicable. I mean, it's absolutely insane. But, uh, you know, that's just how they roll. They, the the court is a tool. It's a it's a super legislature. It's a tool to be used uh, to get your political priorities going. And that's it. What are your thoughts? To- totally shifting gears here. And I have a theory about this, but I'm curious your thoughts on the whole Ukraine situation. Oh, man. So Ukraine is such a tough issue because I am like I am probably far more hawkish in terms of like world policy, global policy than, than most Republicans. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people on the, on the Trump side of the Republican party who are very against the endless war. Isolationist. Yeah. Much more isolationist. I'm just looking like 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And I know that everything is better when every single part of the world that America gets involved in, and stays involved in and and basically secures that section of the world, things just get better. And I'm looking at South Korea. I'm looking at Germany. I'm looking at Japan. Those are the places where America intervened, stayed, and things just got better. And then if you look at Vietnam, North Korea, Afghanistan, I mean, Afghanistan, they stayed, they tried, but they, they tried nation building as opposed to just putting a uh, a base there and oh, it was okay, run like, so poorly oh it, it was, was executed so poorly. badly and that's by the way that's why everyone lost taste for it for yeah. it but like that that's why everyone got so annoyed and i definitely hear why you're like i don't want anything to i don't want to spill american blood on these foreign issues i 100 percent agree on that i don't think i do think it's possible to to assert american dominance on the world stage without boots on the ground and I also think that if you allow a tyrant like Putin, if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And you can't give him an inch because eventually he will take something. He will he will push the wrong button and he will something far worse will happen. And what will we do? 
And we also have to worry about China, what they're going to do with Taiwan, what they and the natural resources they are a part of. They've also already made a deal with the Taliban to get Afghanistan's natural resources. They're going to take Taiwan's natural resources. They've already taken Hong Kong. They're going to, and it's really just not great. Like these spheres of influence matter. So I totally respect your perspective. I used to be a lot closer to your perspective. These days, you know, my philosophy is more that like if American lives are not directly at risk, then then I say stay out of it. And, you know, you have time to worry about it. Yes, I do understand indirectly. I do not want Putin, you know, re, re, reforming and recreating the Soviet Union. Certainly not. I believe that there are other ways that you can kind of go about it. But, you know, but we could debate that because I, I understand the danger. I'm not going to minimize the danger of Putin, who right now, thanks to Biden, by the way, has a lot more power and a lot more money and a lot more leverage with the, you know, being an oil supplier that he is now and everything else and natural gas. But uh, putting all that aside, I mean, can we at least agree that it makes no sense? You pull out of Afghanistan, which is an extreme. The Taliban taken over there is extremely dangerous. And yeah, now you basically have Al Qaeda and these terror groups running wild. Forget the Afghanis. I'm talking it's dangerous to the West. You pull out of there and, and you leave that disaster, leave them with billions of dollars worth of tanks and and who knows what other aircraft and, and weapons. And, and then you're going to go in and, and, and send troops to Ukraine. I mean, that just makes zero sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And speaking of Afghanistan, like um, when I said that before, I said, like, well, it didn't really get better over the last seven years or so. There has been minimal American loss. There should be zero American loss. But there's been such minimal American loss that um, staying in Afghanistan wasn't really a um, doing the kind of damage that what that people thought of when they looked at Afghanistan. But if you look at the actual uh, lives on the ground of the Afghani people, then when America was there versus what's going on now, oh, yeah. where 19 million are, women are subject to, to um, Sharia law, they said millions of people could die of starvation this winter um, in Afghanistan because because they just don't know how to run a country like who knows where Afghanistan would have been if America put like a base there like a Ramstein Air Force Base like they have in Germany, like bases they have in South Korea, like bases they have in Japan. Like who knows where a place like Afghanistan would be in 10, 20, 30, 40 years and I'm not saying it's going to be a technological giant, but I am saying that at least 30 million people in the world would be freer than they are today. Yeah. And look, and again, I, we can debate because I used to feel that way. And these days it's like, I, I'll put it this way. I'm thrilled that the Afghanistan, the Afghanis had those benefits and it was thanks to the U.S. presence there. I don't think it would have been worth it. Meaning if you didn't have Al Qaeda, if you didn't have 9-11, if you didn't have the tremendous th- threat of terrorism that that a- Afghanistan was and perhaps will now once again be thanks to the Biden debacle. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. But, yeah, I, I, there's certainly no question that what you're saying is true. And I just add and, and uh, a, a listener of mine made this point to me, which is like, look at you know, you talk about Taiwan, Putin right now on the verge of invading Ukraine. Uh, you know, North Korea has been like launching these test missiles, left and right ballistic missiles. Kim Jong Un is back in full force. Rocket Man. These things did not happen under Trump. So like Trump was supposed to be the warmonger. Trump was the one who was going to literally trigger off World War Three. And under Trump, somehow everybody was very peaceful and everybody was very timid. And yet now under Biden, because he's so weak and because they have no fear 
Yeah, you have Putin and Xi and uh, Kim Jong-un fe- literally feeling free to just do whatever they want. Absolutely. And and it wasn't it didn't happen in January 20th, 2017. Trump came on into office and everyone just calmed down. Like Trump made a lot of moves in his first two years that paid a lot of dividends in his last two years. So he like, remember, he used to uh, tweet out. Uh, you know, Kim Jong-un thinks he has a big button. Well, I have a bigger button, you know? And like, everyone's like, whoa, this guy's nuts. Yeah. This guy's going to bring us into war. And it's like, no, he was literally kowtowed by a tweet. Like, that's literally what happened with Kim Jong-un. And I, I wish that they had a lot more success there, but he definitely got farther with with uh, with uh, Kim than any president has in seven decades. Um, with Vladimir Putin, when he took Crimea in 2014, um, Trump came in in 2017 and put missiles, gave, started selling arms to Ukraine, and boom, Vladimir Putin didn't bother anyone for those four years. They, anytime you show strength on the world stage, the people who, and by the way, a little bit of you don't know what I'm going to do, which exactly. is definitely a, a Trump vibe. The unhinged, that, yes. Yeah, that, that nobody really else can have. You, you basically show the people the the bad actors in the world don't mess with us. It's been proven time and, and again, time and again. And all the saw all the the narrative was from the mainstream media was well, Trump hurts our allies because he went to NATO and demanded they paid more. And look at them, look at this picture of him with Angela Merkel, and Angela Merkel looks so mad at Trump. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like yes, but everyone was was safer. Everyone had access to energy. Oil was was flowing easily for around the world. And every literally there was greater world peace when Trump was around. And they respected him. They didn't like him, but they had tremendous respect and, and some exactly. trepidation. I mean, uh, Bush uh, invaded Iraq. And then what happened? Gaddafi says, hey, where do I surrender my nukes? That's how that's exactly. how it works. I, I, as I always say, I can speak to you all day. I have one final question. We have to hit on, touch on COVID. Um, and this whole Joe Rogan and Spotify situation, which was, I mean, really almost comical, where you had Neil Young, um, who basically said, listen, it's Joe Rogan or me. And like basically 98% of Spotify listeners are like, who's Neil Young? Because <laughs> they don't ever heard of the, of the guy. And, uh, so, you know, th- this cancel culture where like they- they're boycotting somebody like Joe Rogan. It's so ironic because Joe Rogan's not even like Ben Shapiro. Joe Rogan is not like super conservative, per se, as far as I understand it. It's just that he actually is open minded and he he lets people kind of express their opinions, which is like the biggest crime, the cardinal cardinal sin. And just in general, and I'm giving you a lot here to unpack, but just in general, Biden, I, I don't believe that you can ever blame the government for a pandemic because the government is so incompetent that like the, the government can barely do what it's supposed to do. Now you want them to like solve a pandemic. So I always thought that was absurd. But, uh, the, you know, Trump essentially, not only was he blamed, um, uh, Trump, you could argue, lost the election in large part because of because of COVID. I mean, things were going really well. I mean, his numbers were definitely solid. The economy was just thriving. And, and then Trump gets the blame for COVID, which he totally did not deserve. And yet Biden, the numbers are worse under Biden and Biden gets a total pass. And one final point, I don't know if you saw the Barry Weiss clip 
with Bill Maher, where, you know, a lot of Democrats are also getting COVID fatigue. So I just want all your thoughts on that. Yeah. So COVID fatigue, I had COVID fatigue from minute one. I looked (laughs) at it and I was like, this isn't going to go well. And I got COVID very, very early on. Um, I got I got COVID in March of 2020. I I. was like and I and so after that, I actually um, had a much lighter attitude towards COVID for the next 18 months than most people around me because most people didn't get it and they were nervous. They didn't know what it was. And it was, there's was a lot of fear there. So I kind of get that. Fear. And I, and I, so I wasn't nervous. I would, I didn't wear, uh, wasn't as strict with masking because I had it already. I, I wasn't worried. Um, and so I, but I was very nice. I wore a mask until um, around May of 2021 when they literally said, get the vaccine and then you don't have to wear a mask anymore. And I even got the vaccine in around that time because even though I knew I wouldn't need it because I have natural immunity, I said to myself, they will mandate this. They will push this. And I know my own, I know my own personality. If they tell me to get it, I will, if they force me to get it, I should say, if they force me to get it, I won't. And then I'm going to have to deal with some things. And then I'm going to deal with my job. And then I'm going to deal with like going on the subway. And then I'm going to deal with like a million things. So let me get it now. Let me get it out of the way before um, they mandate it. And that's what I did. And then I was like, okay, so now it's over. And then they said, no, you have to put on your mask again, regardless of vaccination status. Then the second was before they said, oh, by the way, masks are pretty much worthless unless it's an N95. But anyway. Yes, exactly. And the fact that the phrase regardless of vaccination status exists kills me. It destroys every single time I hear it. I think they have lost their minds. And so I've been writing about COVID fatigue, if you if that's what you want to call it. But basically, like, take off the masks. I think I wrote an article called Take Off the Masks in, like, June of, of last year. Like, and there have been uh, just on it constantly masking 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 and we live i live in new york and in new york they they said the a a supreme court judge said it was illegal to keep masking kids in schools they fought it they're fighting it in albany they reinstated it they extended it it was supposed to expire on february 1st they extended it another two weeks for until february 10th they're going to keep reinstating it and i'm sick of it and we really have to do something about it i don't know if I, I would love to talk to people about organizing, marching on Albany, getting a million people over there. Like we have to do something because they will never give this up. And yeah. I'm sick of it. Parents are sick of it, but they love the power. They think it's a winner politically. And we have to show them that it's not because that's the only thing they hear. The only thing they hear is politics. And yeah. if we say this, will, this, you will lose the election in November if you keep this going. That's what we have to tell them. And there's a story uh, about China, and I know we're not in China, but it's a frightening story where they're using COVID restrictions on people uh, who don't have any COVID risk. And the Chinese are clearly, as you'd expect them to do, clearly leveraging this thing to just control the population and just blame it all on COVID. So I understand you're going to say, well, that's communist China. But like, come on, the Democrat Party is only a couple of degrees removed from that. The, the Democratic Party is looking at that and saying, oh, good idea. <laughs> um, this is genius. Yeah. And, and the Chinese, the CCP are just like, you know, these Democrats, they got something going They're, You know, 
right. I don't know how they figured out how to how to completely demolish this seemingly robust constitution that these guys had, but uh, they did it <laughs> they in two years. They figured it out. <laughs> Moshe, as always, phenomenal job. I could talk to you forever. Moshe Hill, thank you so much. Uh, Hillwithaview.com, senior fellow, as I said, at Amaria, and we got the Queen's Jewish Lake and all that other stuff that I mentioned early on. Moshe, please come back soon. Anytime, anytime. Thank you so much.